The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, owner of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest today is Bill Bronchek. He's the host of LegalWiz.com and a nationally known attorney, author, and speaker. He's been practicing law since 1991 and has been involved in more than 3,000 real estate and business transactions. He's authored several real estate and business books, including Flipping Properties, which was named one of the 10 best real estate books of the year by Tribune Media. And they own Chicago Tribune and just hundreds of newspapers across the country. He has trained countless numbers of people, uh, just tens of thousands, actually. And he shared the stage with names that you're probably pretty familiar with, Rudy Giuliani, Steve Forbes, Colin Powell. And we're very happy to have him here today because... He's not just a real estate attorney, but he's a successful businessman in and of himself and has a lot of knowledge to impart to entrepreneurs. So welcome to the show today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Had your fingers in lots of different things over the years, and you have been very, Mm -hmm. very successful. And so I'm curious, what are, if you had to name the top three things that have contributed to your success, what would they be? that our listeners could learn from? Oh, oh, gee. I would say number one is just unrelenting persistence. Um, you know, the problem is that the, the reason people uh, fail most often is, is is not because they don't have a good idea. It's because they give up because because they're, they're not crazy. <laughs> you know? I mean, you have to persist and persist and work and work despite failing and failing and failing and, and in, in the face of no results, just continue forward with with the with the confidence and belief and faith that it's that eventually it's going to work and i think that that persistence is uh is really a tough one for a lot of people who just give up after uh, trying a few times that last part that you said there trying a few times that qualified what what i was going to ask you because there are some people who they just shy of of hitting that success point they they do they mm-hmm. give up they they go back to their day job or whatever it was they were right. doing before but there right. are some people where they're just losing their socks and they they never make it and so i was going to ask you about that fine line of just you just didn't give it long enough and oh my gosh you should have hung it up you know, three right, years right. ago. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But on the other hand, if you're not trying, and I don't mean necessarily trying the same thing, but maybe trying the same thing a hundred different ways. I mean, uh, they, 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 before he invented the light bulb, Edison tried you know thousands of different ways it didn't work. Um, but it, it, it's a matter of, of, and I think the second thing would be uh, with keeping up with uh, the current times and the current trends, and 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 keeping what, with, with what's happening in the marketplace. You know, just because it was working before doesn't mean it's always going to work. It's like that "Who moved my cheese?" theory. 
uh, you, you've got to constantly keep ahead. I mean, it, it was email, and now it's text, and now it's voice. You know, people calling, and you know, there's, there's always a different um, method, medium, or or technique that's going to take to get your customers um, in your door. So, so we have persistent, and then with current trends, the second of the three. Right, keeping up with the current trends of of how to communicate with your with your uh, with the right customers. Um, and I would say probably the third thing is just uh, is just uh, making sure that you've got good counsel or good advice uh, belonging to a network of mastermind uh, uh, of other people either in your field or in business generally that can help you just bounce off ideas off and make, sometimes get a reality check on what you're doing. And you know I have a lot of people in my mastermind. We talk regularly once once sometimes twice a week, uh, and we just bounce ideas just to see if we're crazy or not, or maybe someone's got a better idea. You know, that is something. I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that especially a lot of new entrepreneurs have trouble with. They really do want to do everything themselves. This is true even you know in corporate America too with managers uh, surrounding yourself with people right. who are smarter than you in some areas. That's not a fault. That's, right. that's actually one of the smartest things you can do. It is, and that's what uh, that's what famous people like Henry Ford. Uh, Ronald Reagan, for example, were people who were known to surround themselves with very good advisors around them who knew what they didn't know or was able to advise them in ways that they lacked experience on. So, you, like I said when I introduced you, you've consulted with and counseled tens of thousands of people, and you've shared the stage with some really mm-hmm. big name speakers who've had their own share of success. So with all the experience you've had working with all these people, what do you see in your experience is the biggest reason that small businesses in America, where the it's ripe for entrepreneurship and a lot of resources available, what's the biggest reason small businesses do fail? They run out of money before it, before it, before it becomes successful. Um, cash flow is such an important thing, whether you're whether you have a storefront selling widgets or you're, uh, you know, in some of the things that I do, you have rental properties. Uh, if you have a bad month or a couple of bad months and the income is not showing up and you don't have some sort of cushion to survive on, uh, you're, you're going to fold. And that's why most businesses fail because they, they, they don't have enough cushion or cash flow or um, in a reserve to, to handle when times go bad or, or especially that initial learning curve of the first six months to the year or two in the business. And I mean, it can happen later, too. And I think sometimes um, small business owners or people go into small business ownership without thinking about the personal side, too. If my business skids for a period of time and I can't have a paycheck, what what are my reserves personally? Sure. And you look at some of the big, biggest companies like Google and Facebook, they, they lost millions and millions of dollars before they became even even marginally profitable um, because they understood that it took you know giving away some of their business to raise capital and enough capital to survive um, as this this great idea loses money for a while until it becomes profitable. You can make it through the startup stage, and you can perhaps weather those storms, those first six months, the first couple of years even, but then you get into expansion mode, and it is it is astounding right. the number of previously stable businesses that once they go into the, the whole, whole growth mode, suddenly lose lose their footing because that growth is costing them far too much money and they lose sight of the whole thing that cash is king. It doesn't matter what your sales are if you're not if it's not going down to your bottom line enough of it. Exactly. 
Exactly. And I was just, it's funny, I just, I just watched the Steve Jobs movie and there was a lot of times they were revealing that Apple almost went broke. <laughs> growing too fast. Um, growing too fast. That's, that's another thing. Once you make it through the first six months, it's not over. <laughs> um, right, exactly. Like I said, you are an attorney and you've worked with lots of businesses. So for our uh-huh. listeners who are out there today, I'm going to break this into two parts. For startups. What are some of the things that they need to know that they may not even know that they need to know? And then address mm-hmm. the same question, if you will, to a more established company who's made it through that startup phase, that kind of rocky period, and, and they have a whole different set of legal issues that, again, they might not even know what they don't know. So if you could address it from both sides. Right. Uh, well, I think it's some of the same things. Uh, taxes is going to be a big thing. It's uh, properly set up and structured so that you're paying the minimum amount of taxes because as you start to grow, uh, the biggest expense you're going to have is going to be, uh, is going to be income tax. Um, and then it would be uh, lawsuits or compliance issues, you know, government compliance, uh, uh, especially when it comes to lawsuits from the government, from the Federal Trade Commission, the Attorney Generals. Um, they have unlimited resources, and I, I know s- several of my colleagues who went out of business trying to take on the government uh, because the government will will even though they may not have the best case, if, if they're if they're fighting you and you're paying $100,000 a month in attorney's fees to fight them, you, again, you're going to go right back to you're going to run out of money. So it's the lawsuits, it's the taxes, and I, I think you, you hinted at it. The taxes are um, dependent on how you're set up. If you're a C corporation, then you're paying taxes on the business. If you're S, it's going to flow through to your mm-hmm. personal uh, statement. Right. What what is some of the advice that you can give in terms of you always hear that old adage it's better to pay taxes than to take a loss I've heard that over and over but talk to us about that <laughs> right right well it's you know at some point if you're getting to the point where you're earning enough income there's no way around paying taxes the question is how can we minimize taxes and how can we do it in a legal and uh, ethical way and uh, in a in a way that's not going to be a uh is is not going to cause us a lot of grief if we get audited and being audited by the way is not necessarily a bad thing a lot of big companies will tell their accountants if we're not being audited we're not being aggressive enough um because for every audit of you know the dollar for every dollar the IRS argues with, you end up settling for pennies on that dollar uh, before it goes to court. So um, it's not that you you don't want to ever get audited, but you want to have a good stable base of, of uh, legal uh, basis for what you're deducting and what you're you know what kinds of, uh, of strategies that you're employing in the, to, to reduce. Now, a lot of the businesses that I talk with are just really stymied by. Uh, Probably a, a better description is infuriated by a lot of the regulations, and they can change on a yeah. dime what you have, what what you're um, covered by. If you just hire one more employee, sometimes, well, you know, we're we're business owners, right. nose to the grindstone. How do I know that? Because I added that tenth person, all these other laws now apply to me. So, what is your advice to a business that is in growth mode? 
and they don't want to, from a legal perspective, they don't want to get caught up and or get blindsided. Uh, I know ignorance doesn't buy you anything uh, in terms of you know guilt or or whatever. But how how can you stay abreast of these types of things that could impact your business during growth mode, when especially when it comes to regulations? Yeah, it's it's a tough thing. You know, a lot of people um, you know just put their head in the sand like an ostrich and they don't want to know. Um, especially when you're in growth mode, when you're just the sole proprietor and you start hiring independent contractors, you don't because you you don't want to deal with you know, having employees and payroll. That's where it gets really sticky because there's a lot of issues that you know legal liability issues, uh, potential tax um, hits that you can get involved in if you're not careful though. Um, the thing about employees is once you have one, you might as well have ten because it's almost the same amount of uh, of paperwork and filings and all that, uh, but people resist having that first employee. And, and really, there's a lot of services out there on the internet that do payroll for you and do it right and do all the filings. You know, hire if you don't know how to do it, then hire companies that can do the compliance for you. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you're not sure, you get good legal advice, get good tax advice, or hire a company that can help keep you in compliance. In fact, what we talked about earlier, where admit it if you don't know this stuff, because it can be really costly to you down the road. Surround yourself right. with the people, with the team you need to get it done right. So um, when you're talking about a new business, uh, there's so many different things coming at you and so many different ways that you can spend your money. Sometimes it's confusing to know what is the best place uh, to spend that money on. And do you have any advice for those people? I would say uh, some of the best things that you could spend your money on are uh, are ways that you can develop more money out of it. So anything that gets the anything that gets the phone to ring is always a good is a good source of spending. Uh, buying equipment is usually a bad idea because it's dead equity. Um, if you could lease equipment instead, instead of buying a building, lease a building. Uh, spend your money on generating business, getting the phone to ring, getting customers in the door. And you might want to spend it also on your business in terms of you know hiring consultants, hiring professionals that can advise you uh, on specialties that uh, you don't have the experience. I mean, don't just leverage you know other people's money, leverage other people's experience. And let's talk about leveraging other people's experience. Obviously, you would have your consultants, you would have your attorneys, you would have uh, CPA, people like that where they're providing critical professional services to you. But then when you talk about leveraging other people's knowledge, what about mentors? Mm -hmm. uh, if, is, is, is it a good thing to have a mentor early on, or is that best saved for later stage businesses? Talk to us about that. I, I, would, say, I would say it depends on what the mentor or business coach or whatever you want to call them, consultant, provides. Uh, in some cases, it's it's too early because you don't even know what you don't know, and you're you're throwing money at something that is not going to be effective. Um, if they can hold your hand and guide you through that beginning phase, it's very effective. Other people hire business coaches and mentors because they they want to get a breakthrough. The problem of being a sole proprietor, being your own boss, is there's no one to push you. Um, you don't have a boss. You don't have, yeah. You don't have a boss above you like in a company that's constantly pushing you to you know to meet a deadline or meet a goal, and 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 therefore you you get to the point of stagnation. 
um, where you're, you're just not getting any, any uh, you're not growing. Your, your business isn't growing. You're, as a personal, uh, as an individual, you're not growing. You have, you have to be able to be the type of CEO of your company that constantly grows and constantly learns and constantly right. so develops. So in, in your opinion and in your experience, what do you see as the key to long-term success in business? Wow. Um, I think the key to long-term success is going to be having an effective set of systems in your business. Um, McDonald's is the perfect example. They have a system for everything. They got lousy food. I mean, it's it's deadly. I mean, it'll kill you. But they they manage to be very successful because they don't just hand you a mop. They hand you the manual that tells you how to mop. Um, the, a business that's built on employees is is a mess. Because if that employee is gone, then you know you're you're going to be behind the eight ball trying to train someone to figure out what the heck they were doing. Um, if you have a system for everything, then the employees become dispensable. Um, you know, you just hand the manual to the next employee that you hire and let them do it the same way. So you know, I learned that early on. Uh, I was wanted to control everything, and then I delegated a little and said, "Wow, this is easy," and I delegated everything. And then after the point, I go, what the hell are my employees doing? I don't even have a clue. I had to hire someone to interview my employees and figure out what they were doing. Um, and, and, and who knows if they were doing it the way I taught them or the way I wanted. So, um, you know, it, so the problem is, is that, you know, people go from one swing to the other, from wanting to control everything to giving up too much control and not having an accountability system to make sure that, uh, that the, 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 the system you delegated are being done the way you're supposed to be. They're supposed to be yeah. done in the way you and want it done. Somebody who has written a couple of really good books on that that are timeless is Michael Gerber and his whole email. Yeah. Uh-huh, and the E-Myth, yeah. I, I've, I've read that book probably seven times. I mean, I really am a big believer in developing um, systems right. that are repeatable. So we talked a little bit in the introduction about all of your real estate dealings, and you mentioned just a minute ago that it's probably best to lease a building. Given your real estate background and what you are, you know, you've seen, especially over the last uh, five, six, seven years, if a business owner right now, maybe they've been leasing for a while, but they think that maybe it's time for me to own a building, what would your advice to them be? Well, you know, you have to analyze the building from a couple of perspectives. One, is it going to make you money owning it someday? I mean, can you can you buy something a little bigger than you need and um, and lease it out to other people uh, and make a positive cash flow and reduce your bottom line. You also get depreciation, which gives you a deduction. You know, there are many benefits to owning real estate, but there's also a lot of responsibilities. I mean, I own a lot of residential commercial real estate, but I lease my office because I, I looked at it and said, look, I mean, do I want to be dealing with a parking lot having holes in it and the bathroom not working and <laughs> and, and all my tenants complaining, you know, uh, in my building. No, I, di I didn't want the headache of it. And I, and I, even though I looked and looked, I couldn't find a suitable building that would that would uh, be uh, be a good quote investment, not just something that's a pride of ownership. Good points to make because there are well, you're in real estate. You've mentioned other properties that you have, no. and, but there are a lot of business owners who they they don't know anything about real estate. They find themselves with a building, usually one that's too big, so then they want to lease out some of the space, and suddenly they're in the landlord business too, and it's a, it becomes yeah, a real yeah. distraction. So you really have to weigh everything very yeah. carefully. Exactly. My guest today is William Bronchick. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. EKC Explained. What is it? It's a one-of-a-kind event on November 20th where 24 of Kansas City's entrepreneurial leaders will enlighten you on what's happened to our entrepreneurial ecosystem in recent years, and they'll tell you how you can capitalize on it. Digital Sandbox. 
Kaufman Foundation, KC Startup Village, KC Next, Thinking Bigger Business Media, just some of the key community and strategic entrepreneurial leaders who will share valuable information and insights on how you can plug into this entrepreneurial tipping point in Kansas City. Want to know more? Register now at kcsourcelink.com forward slash G-E-W dash K-C. That's kcsourcelink.com forward slash G-E-W dash K-C. And join us Wednesday evening, November 20th from 530 until 8 at Union Station for this one-of-a-kind exciting event. You won't want to miss it. If people are interested in talking with you some more, Bill, or if they would like to find out more about you, how would they do that? Well, the easiest place to find Finally, would be on my website, LegalWiz.com. That's LegalWiz.com. Okay. Well, it's been great talking with you today. I uh, really enjoyed your insights, and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. To learn more about growing your business, you can visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at IThinkBigger, or like our Facebook page, Thinking Bigger Business Media. Thanks, and have a great weekend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.